hoping for a reprieve from the whistle of the shell. Dive into hope or die in despair. Dive into the river Kama. Alexander's fate was sealed. He wondered how long ago it had been sealed, but he did not want an answer to that question. Since he left his small room in Boston back in December 1930, that's how long. Alexander could not leave Russia but one small thread of hope still dangled in front of him, one small flicker of the waning candle. To get Tatyana out of the Soviet Union, Alexander Belov gritted his teeth and closed his eyes. He clenched his fists and backed away from her. He pushed her away. He let her go. There was only one thing left for him to do in his old life, and that was to stand up and salute the doctor who could save his wife for now there was nothing to do but wait. Deciding he did not wish to be taken out of bed in his hospital clothes, Alexander asked the night shift nurse to bring him his Class A major's uniform and his officer dress cap. He shaved with his knife and a bit of water by the side of his bed, dressed and then sat in the chair, arms folded. When they came for him, as he knew they would, He wanted to go with as much dignity as the lackeys for the NKVD would allow. He heard loud snoring from the man in the bed next to him, hidden from view by the isolation tent. Tonight. What was Alexander's reality? What was it that determined Alexander's consciousness? And more important, what would happen to him in an hour or two when everything Alexander had ever been would come into question? when the secret police chairman, General Mechlis, would lift his beardy, lard-encrusted eyes and say to him, "'Tell us who you are, Major.' What would be Alexander's answer? Was he Tatiana's husband? Yes. "'Don't cry, honey.' "'Don't come yet, please, don't. Not yet.' "'Tanya, I have to go.' He told Colonel Stepanov he was going to be back for Sunday night roll call, and he could not be late." Please, not yet. Tanya, I'll get another weekend leave. He is panting. After the Battle of Leningrad, I'll come back here, but now... Don't, Shura, please don't. You're holding me so tight. Release your legs. No, stop moving. Please, just... It's nearly six, babe. I have to go. Shura, darling, please, don't go. Don't come, don't go, what can I do? Stay right here, inside me, forever inside me. Not yet, not yet. Shh, Tanya, shh. And five minutes later, he is bolting out the door. I've got to run. No, don't walk me to the barracks. I don't want you walking by yourself at night. You still have the pistol I gave you. Stay here, don't watch me walk down the corridor. Just come here. He envelops her in his coat, hugging her into himself, kissing her hair, her lips. Be a good girl, Tanya, he says, and don't say goodbye. She salutes him. I'll see you, the captain of my heart, says Tatiana, her tears having fallen down her face from Friday till Sunday. Was he a soldier in the Red Army? Yes. Was he the man who had entrusted his life to Dmitri Chenyenko, a worthless demon disguised as a friend? Yes, again. But once, Alexander had been an American, 
a Barrington. He spoke like an American, he laughed like an American. He played summer games like an American, and swam like one, and took his life for granted like one. He had friends he thought he was going to have for life. And once there were forests of Massachusetts that Alexander called home, and a child's bag where he hid his small treasures, the shells and the eroded glass bits he had found on Nantucket Sound, the wrapper from one of the cotton candies, bits of twine and string, a photograph of his friend Teddy. Once there was a time he had a mother, her tanned, made-up, large-eyed, familiar face laughing into his memory. And when the moon was blue and the sky black and the stars beaming down their light on him for a stitch in eternity, Alexander had found what he thought was going to elude him all of his Soviet life. Once.